0: All right, well, good morning. morning. Oh man, That was a little bit better than last night, but not much. Gonna, I think what happened was you had too little coffee and too many cinnamon rolls. I was telling the workers a little bit ago, a cinnamon roll is not a, a, an item of food, it's a big sleeping pill. That's what it is. So if you had a sleeping pill this morning, uh, you need to stay awake for this first session. I want you to open your Bible. Uh, let me figure out where here in a second. One second here. I brought an outline, which is a dangerous thing. Because I usually preach without an outline. And when I have an outline, that just gives me more information, which means it's, it, it lasts a lot longer. So that's not always a good thing. Um, yeah, let's look at... Uh, open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, just to begin with, uh, chapter 11. We're, we're going to get there in a moment. I, I want to talk about... Uh, for a few minutes this morning. By the way, thank you for coming. I know that, uh, how'd the game go? We won the first one, lost the second one. Oh, man. I know. Was your fault? Was it, was it my fault? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll take the pause as a yes. Um, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11. I, I, I mentioned last night that uh, one of our sessions today would be a session where I would say, what's the most important word uh, in your family? What's the most important word in your family? And it's not love. What's the most important word in your marriage? And it's not love. What's the most important word in your relationship with your mom and dad? It's not love. What's the most important word? Okay, I'm gonna give it to you. And and I'm gonna make the case for it, and we'll see if we agree, okay? But I'm convinced of this. I believe the most important word in any relationship is the word trust. I think the most important word in any relationship is the word trust. Now, I want to I talk about, first of all, why? Why, why? why do I believe that trust is the mo- most important? Okay, so yeah, as a teenage son relates to his dad, as a wife relates to her husband, okay, as a church member relates with another church member, uh, as a church member relates with his pastor or her pastor, now, why would you say, well, you know, we're supposed to love those that we serve with. We're supposed to, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. We're supposed to show love one toward another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love. So, I mean, Kurt, how can you possibly say that trust is more important than love? Uh, I didn't say necessarily that the term is more important. What I said it's the most important word in the relationship. Okay, why? Okay, I'll, I'll answer that question. And then what? What is trust? Really, what is it in, in the relationship that you have with your, with your spouse, in the relationship you have with a fellow, fellow church member, uh, your reputation at work? Well, wh- why, is, why is trust so important? Uh, what is trust? Uh, what about this? How, how do I rebuild trust? H- have you ever been in a situation in your life where somebody has done something to you and you say, I don't trust him. I don't trust her. Maybe a, a teenager has lied or maybe a, a marriage has been crumbling because there's been infidelity. I've dealt with all of it. You know, maybe a worker has not been all that he should be at, at work and maybe he's you know, embezzled some supplies. It was a small thing, he got slapped on the wrist, but now the boss can't trust. How do you rebuild trust? Is it possible? Is it possible if you're in a relationship right now and you say, I don't know if I trust him. Pastor, you don't know what he did. Yeah, I don't know that I'll, I'll, I love him, but I don't. How many times have we heard that? So it, is trust rebuildable? Is it rebuildable? And the answer is yes. It, it, it is rebuildable. And so let's answer those three questions. Maybe, maybe a couple others, but at least those three questions. Let's answer why. Why is trust so important? And then what, what, what is trust? And then number three, how, how can I rebuild trust? Lord, bless the time together. We, we are asking that you would use uh, this session to strengthen every relationship in this room. I pray that every marriage would walk out of this room stronger. I pray that every friendship would find greater context. I'm praying that uh, teens and moms and dads would have a more open and honest relationship. Lord, I pray that you would just bless our time together. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let me just talk about the definition, and we'll talk a little bit more about the what here in a bit. But I want you to think about this. Now now hang with me, because this first part is a little bit technical. So I really really want you to concentrate on purpose, okay? So ask God to take the molecular structure of the cinnamon roll and not apply it to your your body right now, okay? So what is trust? Okay, trust. Trust is, listen to this, and this is dictionary definition, an assured reliance... On the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Okay, so it's an assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Okay, so I trust somebody if I know something about their character, their ability, their strength, or their 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 truth, their, their ability to tell me what is going to be bona fide. Okay, so in that sense, God is the ultimate. Reason why the ultimate person whom we can trust. Think about God's character, right? Uh, he is immutable. He is righteous. He is holy. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. Uh, he is omnipresent. And so his his ability, his strength. We just talked about that. Uh, his reliability. And so trust, trustworthiness is the quality we have when we have those characteristics. So I'm trustworthy. Uh, when people can rely upon my character. I'm trustworthy when people can rely upon my ability to follow through. I'm trustworthy when uh, I speak words and people know that those words mean something. It's not just, hey, yeah, I'll get it done, or yeah, I'm going to clean my room, or yeah, I will pick that up, or yeah, I do, to put it in a really big sense, yeah, I do uh, forsake all others and keep thee only unto me so long as we shall, both shall live. Do you trust what people say? Are people trustworthy? Okay, so why? Why is trust so important? Say, Kurt, I don't know if I buy this yet. Okay, I know it's important, but you said it's the most important word in any of our relationships. Why? Why is trust so important? Okay, let me give you two reasons. Okay, first of all, I believe that trust is the most important word in your relationship because number one, It is foundational. Every other word in your marriage is based upon trust. Every other word. I don't care what it is communication, forgiveness, love, whatever it is, encouragement. You talk about any other word that's important to you in your marriage, submission, any word in your marriage that's important. Every word is foundationed in the word trust, okay? That's my phone. Hang on a second. Just make sure it's not my wife. Because I tell my wife she's allowed to call me anytime for any reason. All right, there we go. I'm shutting it off. Sorry, honey. I didn't mean it. You can't trust me. Um, So I went to Bible college years ago uh, in 1984. I graduated from high school. went to Bible college. And when I went to Bible college, now understand, I grew up in a single-family uh, household. My, my dad uh, left us when I was uh, four years old, just almost four. The summer that I turned four, he left at the beginning of that summer. Uh, I, I was born uh, September 11th. I'm a 9-11 baby. Uh, people say, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, but my birthday was before the, like, the, the terrorist attacks, okay? Um, but uh, my, my dad left us that summer. Uh, my mother actually found out that he was having an affair at work. He would work about two hours away and he'd, he'd leave on Monday morning and work all week long and then come back on Fridays. And my mother had some suspicions and, and she confronted my dad and said, you know, um, I heard that you're and he said, yeah, I am. And she said, well, you're going to have to make a choice. You know, it's, it's either her or me. Now, now, I look back on that thing. My mom was, oh, my. Uh, my mother was 28 years old. You know, she was a 28 year- old mother of two. And my, my dad said, "Well, you know, I'm going I choose her." So I remember, you say, "You can't remember that young. I do. I remember the day. Maybe it's because it was so traumatic. But I remember my dad going back to our little house. my mother still lives in that house and packing a suitcase and walking out the door and my, I, I stood on one side of my mom holding her hand, and, and of course, we were all crying, and my brother stood on the other side holding her hand, and my dad got in his car and pulled out of 38 Walnut Hill Road, East Hartland, Connecticut, and drove away. And so I would see my dad about once a year after that. He lived in New York, um, and you know, I'd see him about once a year. Uh, in the summer, I'd see him for about a week, uh, but we really didn't have a relationship and then my mother got remarried when I was 10. So when I was 10, my mother met somebody. She went to this group called Parents Without Partners, and she found uh, this, uh, this guy that uh, uh, had three children of his own. He, he had been divorced a couple times. And so my mother married him. And so now I'm 10, and although we still, my mother still lives in that house today, he lived in another house, so we moved. So I hated my stepfather. Like, I, just, I hated him. I just hated him because he was unreasonable. You know, he told me things like, you've got to get up at a certain time every day. You know, he told me things like, you have to help with the chores of the house. You know, I couldn't manipulate him. Like, I manipulated my mom. You know, so I looked back and realized my stepdad was a great blessing in my life, but I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it like, you know, who's this person that's upsetting our little triangle here? You know, I had my mother just where I wanted her, you know? And uh, so... Uh, well, I just didn't, I, I hated my stepfather, and uh, I don't think he liked me too much either. And uh, we'd scream at each other. It was just, it was bad. It was bad. Well, you know, oh, by the way, the full story on that is uh, he's, st- he's still my stepfather. He's 83 now. When I was 48, he adopted me. I, I called him dad. I love him with all my heart. You know, God just did a work. He got saved. You know, he has his educational doctorate. He's had it for years. He was too smart for the Lord. But then, you know, God humbled him. He got saved. He's one of the sweetest guys you'll ever meet in your life. So, you know, there is is hope, you know. But suffice all that to say this, when I was uh, 17 and had finished high school and went off to college at age 17, I had never one time in my life heard any man say to me, I love you. My dad never said it. Not one time. My biological dad died when, I, when he was 56, back in 1997. I actually led him to the Lord about two months before he died. So that was, that was a blessing. Uh, but he never one time his whole life said, I love you. He never one time his whole life said, I'm sorry. Never one time his whole life. So I think he was, and I think he did, but he never said it. And then my stepfather, we, we tell each other we love each other every time we talk. But we never did at that point. Never, not one time. He never said, Kurt, I love you. He never said, love you. He never even said, I like you. <laughs> you know, so, and, you know, and I, li- I liked it because he didn't. <laughs> at least he was honest. But, uh, you know, I, I look back at that and I think, you know, well, that didn't affect me. But, you know, it probably did. It probably did give me insecurities. It probably did. I, I, I don't think it did, but, but you know, I, I, we don't even know ourselves. So, anyway, I went to college. And where I went to college, I had a couple roommates that were from down south. Okay? Now, not like Texas. Texans are pretty honest. But I'm talking about like the Deep South, you know, like Alabama, <laughs> Mississippi. So if you're from there, I'm talking about you. Okay? Uh, and, these, and, and these guys were my roommates in college, and down south, people they they, they speak, they use all these, these glittering generalities. Yeah, you know, they call you honey, they call you darling. They don't mean it. You know, they tell you they love you. They don't mean it. They just say it. Now, up north, we criticize you, but we mean it, okay? We're honest about it. You know, we'll tell you, okay? So I went to Bible college, and I met this, this kid. His name is Brian, one of my roommates. And I was going to uh, the, the, the main campus one day. We, I lived off campus. Or I was going to main campus one day. I left my dorm, and uh, I'm walking out. I said, all right, guys, I'm taking off. I'll see you a little bit later. And Brian said this. Brian said, uh, all right, man, hey, love you. <laughs> what? <laughs> love you, man. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I, I've known you for two days, you know? You don't even know my middle name. What are you talking about? You love me. listen. I don't, he could have told me that 15 times in a row, and I would, have, I would have disbelieved him 15 times in a row. There was no basis at all for that. Here's the point. I love you is meaningless without I believe you. You see what I'm saying? I love you is meaningless unless I believe you. So the most important characteristic in a relationship is i believe you i believe what you say i believe what you tell me you're going to do i believe the commitment that you have i believe in your character when i'm not there i can't believe that you love me if i can't believe you period and so what is why is trust the most important word in any relationship because it's foundational every other word finds content. Love means nothing without trust. Encouragement, communication, forgiveness, it means nothing without trust. Okay, It's foundational. Watch this. Number two. Why else is trust important? I would say number one because it is foundational. I would say number two because it's first. It's first. Trust is first in a relationship. Okay? Uh, In other words, What's the very first quality of a bona fide relationship? Whether it be a friend, whether it be the dating relationship. Remember when I met my wife? Remember uh, when you met your spouse the first time? Okay? Remember when you began to trust each other? Remember that? So trust is first in a relationship. That's why, it's, that's why it's most important. You say, well, I don't get that, okay? Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, and you know the, the passage, but let me just read it for us. It's the great faith chapter. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of th- things not seen. Uh, look at verse uh, 6, the very familiar verse 6. Without faith, without a firm reliance upon God's character, ability, strength, and truth, okay. without faith, it is impossible. Do you see that word? It is impossible to please God. Now, he that cometh to God must, watch this, two things. Number one, Believe that he is. i got to believe that this is, that God's a real entity. I have to believe that God is, is real. He's not just uh, an idea, not just a concept, not just uh, a, a, a crutch for weak minds, but that God is real. I must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So God is findable. God is knowable. Okay, God, God, is, God, God is approachable. Uh, God, uh, God my, my life can have context in him. Okay? I believe that. Okay, do you believe that God is real? And Do you believe that God wants to have a relationship with you? That's the point. Do you believe that God is real? And do you believe that God wants to have a relationship with you? That's the message of Christ. God said, I want to have a relationship with you. You can't come to me, so I'm going to come to you. You can't be me, so I'll be you. That's what God did. Faith. And so what is faith? Faith is first because the Bible says uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So how did you culture, how did you begin a relationship with God? By faith. By faith. That's how you have a relationship. You have a relationship with God not because you love God. You ask the average person on the street today, just go out here. Go, go out on the main road here. Stop people on the street say, do you love God? Most people say, yeah, I love God. Does that mean that they're saved? No, that didn't even, because everyone thinks they love. Because love just is, we all have a different, different definition for love. No, It's not a matter of do you, do, you, do you love God, do you believe in him? Belief, faith, that's the start of a relationship. I trust you. I believe in you. And when I trust you and I believe in you, now that then gives me context for every other word in my relationship. Now I can love you. Now I can uh, encourage you. Now I can communicate with you. Now I can live life with you. Now I can, why? Because I trust you. And so trust is the most important word in any relationship. That's why if you don't trust the person you're sitting next to, that's that's a tall order. A trust can be rebuilt, but I'm telling you, that's a tall order. When trust goes, watch this, everything goes. When trust goes, everything goes. Because all the other words are meaningless. Which ones do I trust? Which ones do I believe? Yeah, but honey, I love you. I don't believe you. Yeah, I'm there for you. I don't believe you. I'll never leave you. I don't believe you. If I don't believe you, then words mean nothing. And so I think we can agree this morning that if you disagree that trust is the most important word, I think you'll agree it's one of the most important words in your relationship, okay? Let me answer this question. It's a little bit different from the way I said it before, but what is the basis for trust, okay? So if I want to trust somebody, why do I trust them? Because they look trustworthy? How many of us have met people that look trustworthy, okay, but they weren't trustworthy? There's not a certain look for trust, Sometimes you look at somebody and say, that person looks trustworthy. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard politicians talk that looked trustworthy, <laughs> didn't follow through on any of their promises, right? So it's not a look. It's not a, it's not a convincing tone. It's not words that we say. You know, what, what, what is the basis for trust, okay? Let me ask you this question. When it comes to God, why do we trust him? Why, why do we trust God? Now, I understand that faith is a gift from God, but, but wh- wh- why do we trust God? Can I give you the major reason why uh, we, we trust God? I believe, it's, it's my opinion. I think the major reason why we trust God and can trust God is because His Word is true. I think the number one reason why we can trust God is because His Word is true. I, 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 when I deal with skeptics, I go down this road all the time. I say, well, you know, why do you believe the Bible's true? I said, that's a good question. Why do I believe the Bible's true? And I begin to go back to Old Testament prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ and say, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this specific problem? What about this? What about uh, Micah 5, 2? What about Isaiah 40, and verse 1? What about Isaiah 53? What about, and I'll just go through it and say, how can there be all these specific prophecies hundreds of years before the fact that are all fulfilled, Psalm 22, all fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, when God says that, so, if even one prophecy didn't come true, that would negate the word of God. But when the, when the Bible says over and over and over and over again, and it's verifiable, God says it, and we can verify it, then God must be trustworthy. Why? Because his word is true. And I could give you a thousand verses, 31,000 almost to be exact, to show you that God's word is true. Maybe that's why, hey, maybe that's why the Bible says that I have magnified, everything about this verse, I have magnified my word. Listen to this, I've magnified my word above my name. What does that mean? You know, Samuel, when, when the Bible says, when God says, I, I, my, I, I've made my word more important than my name, what does that mean? Okay, well, somebody's name in the Bible, you know what that is, right? Somebody's name in the Bible, somebody's name in the Bible means their reputation, okay? You have a reputation, I have a reputation, okay? A reputation is my perceived report card. It's what people know about me. Now, Uncle Louis, do you know everything about me? No, so you're forming an opinion about me in our, in our short time together. You're saying, do I trust this guy? By the way, that's why when I preach uh, at my church, I try to make sure I stay right in the Bible. You know why? Because I'm talking to people for the first time. Why should they trust me? What makes me any different from the used car salesman down the road? What I'm sorry if you're a used car salesman. Uh, what makes me any different than the, than the insurance salesman at the door? Nothing. You know, so I want to make sure that I am vetting what I say and establishing what I say by the veracity of God's word. Okay? And so when the Bible talks about name and, and, and word, your name is your reputation. And what God says is my word is more important than my reputation because my reputation is based upon my word. My reputation is based upon my word. It's not your word is based upon your reputation. No, your reputation is based upon your word. Can I trust this guy? Well, I don't know. Does he, when he says something, does he follow through? You, you know really quickly at work the people that the boss trusts. Okay, You know who he trusts? People that keep their word. People that keep their word. And so what is the basis for trust? basis for trust is the reliability of your word. That's the base. The number one way that you can build trust in a relationship is to keep your word. Okay, you don't believe that? Look at James chapter 5. Look, look, at, James, look, at, look at it. James chapter 5. Just look at it in your Bible. James chapter 5. Now, this, this is an amazing verse. James chapter 5. It's just one book over from where you are in Hebrews. James is a book of the Bible written by the Lord's brother, right? His half-brother. Uh, born of Joseph and Mary, James, and James in the Bible, um, was it you guys uh, the ones with Santiago, right? Yeah, I was telling it in, in the Spanish Bible, uh, James is Santiago, it, which we were we were talking about that doesn't make a bit of sense, okay? But anyway, it is okay, Santiago. So James is a great book in the Bible, and James covers all kinds of great topics, trials and the tongue, you know, the importance of, of our speech, and he talked about the brevity of life. There's all kinds of great topics in James. It, I call it a power-packed book, James, okay? But watch this, what he says in James 5. Don't, don't, don't miss this. He says in verse 12, but above all things. So think about that. Here's a, here's a guy who wrote this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about all these important topics, Okay, then he says, but the most important thing I want to tell you is, that's the time to wake up. That's the time in the sermon to pinch yourself. That's the time in the lesson to say, I'm going to write this down. Because he's saying, above all things. Watch what he says. But above all things, verse 12, my brethren, swear not. Okay, because back in Bible days, when people wanted to ratify their word on a given topic, they they would swear So if I wanted people to really believe me, I'd say, I swear by the temple that this is true. Sometimes today I would say, I swear on my mother's grave. You know, whatever that means, you know. Or how about this? I swear on a stack of Bibles, right? And here's what James said. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay lest you fall into condemnation. Okay, here's what James said. James said, the most important thing I could tell you is keep your word. That's the most important life lesson I could give you, because every relationship is based upon that. Keep your word. You know the most important thing you teach your kids? Keep your word. We told our kids that all the time growing up. I have four adult children. I the most important thing you can learn. Keep it. When you say something, it means something. Because you know who you are? You're your word. That's who you are. You are your word. Now you can create a story about your life with words, but sometimes it's just a fictional story. Or sometimes it's a story based loosely on facts. Or you can tell a true story and people will trust you. And you can build real and authentic relationships with your parents, with your spouse. Just keep your word. And so, what is trust? It's foundational. What is trust? It, 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 it's, it's first in any relationship. It's based upon the, my, my reliability. How is my reliability uh, checked? How is my reliability measured? By my word. And so, it's reliability, and then it's reputation. It's my word, and then my name. It's my word, and then my name. So, your reputation is just the perception people have about you based upon your word. That's all, that's all it is. Your, your reputation is simply the, 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 the perception people have about you based upon your word. I can trust him. When he says something, when she says something, when they make that commitment, I know. based upon, so right, That's why we guard it. Why? Because reputation takes time to build. You can't trust me. You know, you're not going to let me watch your kids uh, today. No, maybe a year from now you'd say, okay, I trust that guy. You're, 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 you're leery. I don't know him. okay. But your reputation over time, I, I've seen him keep his word over and over and over again. I trust him. That's what happens in a relationship. So it takes a long time to build, a long time to build, and it takes a moment to destroy. It takes a long time to build and a moment to destroy. okay? Because when you discover a lie, what else was he lying about? Because the thing about lies is, You don't say, okay, guys, I'm about to lie right now. No one announces it. You never announce a lie. You just tell a lie and hope you get away with it. And when it's discovered, then people say, what else is under that rug? What else is in that closet? What are the other things they've told me that aren't true? Well, he said he was going to be home you know, and he just had—he was coming straight home from work, but but he went and met his friends, and he didn't tell me about it. I wonder what he did. What else does he not tell? And he told me he loves me, but I wonder if even that. Sh- See how that works? Trust. Trust is the most important word in any relationship. Remember, years ago, James, you worked at you worked at a Christian school. Yes. Okay, so years ago we started our Christian school in uh, in Pennsylvania. And just, it was a small Christian school. It grew and grew. It became a really, really great school. But in those early days, you know, I was doing everything. You know, I was the school administrator. I was the English teacher. I was the disciplinarian. I was the coach. I was that. just all of it. And, and I loved it. It was just part of, you know, that process. And I remember one day a teacher came to me. We just had a few teachers. And she said to me, she said, uh, uh, hey, pastor, we, we've got a, a, a boy uh, that's uh, He's he's stealing the lunch money. We just trusted the kids, you know. We had like a open till, and they'd buy chips, and they'd put. And this kid was taking the money. How do they? And they they saw him, they saw him do it. They saw him taking this money. So now I got to call him in. You know. Now I don't. I want to give people a chance to to confess, because I feel like when you let people own their sin, it they they it, it got it, they. You know, it's a chance to to teach them through it, right? So I called him in. His name, his name His name. is Sam, and he wouldn't mind me telling you this. He's a pastor today, okay? So God did a wonderful work of grace in his life. He wouldn't mind, you, m- mind me telling you that. So his name is Sam. And Sam actually went to a boy's home a le- later on in his life. He actually came back and lived in our home. You know, my wife and I took him in, and he went off to Bible college, and he's pastoring today in Michigan. He's a great guy. But he was a punk as a high school kid. And so I called Sam in. I said, Sam, we got a problem. He said, what is that? I said, we... We're missing some lunch money. We're missing. We're missing some lunch money in the cafeteria. I said, "Do you know anything about it?" No, sir. He's looking me in the eye, big wide eyes, like a you know a precious moments cow. You know, he's looking at me, and uh, I said, uh, "I said, well, Sam, uh, let let me let me rephrase the question, okay?" Let, I said, "We're missing lunch money, and we think that you might know something about it. Can you help me with that?" Oh, no, no, Pastor Scully, I mean, I, that's horrible. Somebody's she's stealing lunch money at a Christian school. What, 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 what have we come to, you know? I said, well, you know, Sam, uh, I'm just struggling a little bit with that answer. I said, so let me just kind of ask it a third way. Sam, we're, we're, we're missing lunch money, okay? Uh, we think you know something about it. Matter of fact, we think, Sam, that you might be involved. Oh, <gasps> Pastor Skelly. I would never, you know, I said, all right, Sam, I'm going to give you one more chance, okay? Sam, we're missing lunch money, okay? We think you might be involved. Matter of fact, we know you're involved. Sam, we saw you do it. Pastor Skelly, I swear on a stack of Bibles, I did not take that lunch money. Yeah, there's something inside of all of us that wants to ignore all the evidence and have the perception, have the perception that we're telling the truth. When i to tell you something. Did that make me respect, respect Sam more or less? Less. And listen to something. In your relationships, when the people that you know and love that live with you, when they know you're being dishonest and you won't admit it, it doesn't make them respect you more. It makes them respect you less. So if you've been dishonest, if you've been half-truthing, okay, the best thing to do is when you mess up, fess up. Just tell people that confession is the first truth toward restoration. Admission, is that how you got saved? Yes. You got saved when you came to God and said, I trust him, and so therefore I admit who I am. I admit what I've done. I admit my insufficiency to save myself. I admit that I'm a lost sinner. I tell you, I confess, right? That's where it begins. Okay, you've listened well, so let me give you one last thing. So we talked about why, uh, what, or why rather. We talked about what is the basis, which really is the what question. Let me give you one last one this morning. Uh, well, let, me, let me give you two. Oh, sorry. Forgot about this point. All right, so let me, let me give you two. I'll just do this real quickly. What time is it? Goodness, I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Uh, so let me give you two. What are the enemies of trust? So just write these down. I'm going to give you three. I'm just going to tell you them. What are the enemies of trust? In any relationship, with your teenager, with your coworker, with a church member, with your husband, with your wife, what are the enemies of trust? Okay, here they are. Number one, a dishonesty, which asks the question, why are you lying? You say, well, Pastor Skelly, I don't lie to my wife. I don't lie to my husband. Okay, but do you lie in front of him? Hey, how about this one? Uh, honey, somebody's called. Just tell them I'm not here. How about this? We're, April 15th's coming. Well, let's just say that we, on our taxes, I know that we didn't, but let's just say, okay? Because here's the thing. If I'll lie in front of you, I'll lie to you. It's the, it's the gossip principle. If I'll talk about somebody to you, I'll talk about two, I'll talk to someone else about you. It's the principle, right? And so if I'll lie in front of you, I'll lie to you. So why are you lying? Dishonesty. Be honest. Okay, number two, evasiveness. That begs the question, what are you hiding? What are you hiding? You want a trusting relationship? Don't hide. You want people to trust you in your life? Be transparent. Okay, I know married couples where a husband won't give his wife his computer password. That's crazy. Or, 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 or uh, you always have to have your phone by you. You're afraid someone's going to look at it. You ever want to you you make a teenager nervous? Walk by them when they're on their phone and grab it. No! <laughs> <laughs> ah! They're No! Oh! No, I'm just going to see who you're texting. Or, no, no, no! Why, why, why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? You know, I put my phone on my wife's nightstand at night. I don't care who calls. I don't care what text she sees come through. I don't care if she looks on my history folder. doesn't bother me. What are you hiding? Well, why are you lying? How about this? Number three, hypocrisy, enemies of trust, dishonesty, evasiveness, and then hypocrisy, the claim to be something somewhere that you're not somewhere else. The claim to be something somewhere that you're not something else. You know what really will make people not trust you? When you come and pretend at church. Okay, when you pretend to be something in front of other people, but you're not that person at home, you know what happens? You erode the trust of the people that love you. Wow. He, he's pretending to be this in front of them. He's not that. He's pretending. I wonder what he's pretending to be in front of me. See, they're enemies of trust. And your wife might never say anything. And your husband might never articulate it. Okay, And your parents might never have the right words to say to you about it. But when you pretend to be something one place and you're another thing in front of them, then people are saying, why can't I trust you? Okay, now three, three ways to rebuild trust. And I'm done, here it is. How do you rebuild trust in a relationship? How do you rebuild it? Okay, I'm gonna give you three things. Here, I'm just gonna list them. Okay, you say, well, Pastor Skelly, I don't know that I trust my husband. I don't know, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're married, but I just don't know that I can, you know, I've really struggled with this relationship with this friend. I don't know that I can, I love him, but I just don't know if I ever trust him again. You know, right? So how do you rebuild trust? You say, Pastor Skelly, I've been that person. I've been, that, I've been a little bit dishonest and I want people to trust me again and, and I have been a little bit loose with the truth and, and I've not been what all that I need to be and I have been a little bit of a hypocrite. And how do I rebuild that trust? Okay, here it is. Okay, number one, over-communicate. Well, once you've admitted it, hey, listen, I've been less than honest. You know, I want this relationship to be right. Okay, what do you do? Over-communicate. Over-communicate. Because here, here's what happens. When you're when you haven't trusted somebody, then suspicion fills in the silent gaps. So if, if you've not had a trusting relationship, then over communicate. It's got to be planned. Okay, as a, I, I'm looking at some married couples, and I speak as a, as a married man. Okay, you've got to build in that time in your life to over communicate. Talk through those things. You know, when is your time to talk every single day? And communicate. That's what. Remember, trust is built with words. The more words you give that you can keep, the more the more trust you can build. Over communicate. Watch this. Number two, increase accountability. Increase accountability. I cannot tell you how many times I've dealt with this. I've dealt with marital situations where she was having an affair and he was having an affair and blood. I mean, just crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. You know, lying about and talking all that stuff. Okay? And yet I've seen marriages restored. I've seen great things happen. Okay? But it never happens without increased accountability. So here's what happens. Here's a husband, maybe, who's cheated on his wife. Let's just go right to the worst possible scenario. Okay? But she's gonna give him another chance, you know, so they he comes home, but I just don't I don't trust him. And where were you? And you're 10 minutes late, and you said, and oh, is this going on? Let me see your phone. And, and then inevitably, that husband will come to me and say, Pastor Skelly, she's just beating me up. You know, why can't she trust me? I said I was sorry. I said I wanted to do right. It said it'll never happen again. You know, well, why, why does she keep on? And here's what I always say. Listen, suspicion on the part of, a, uh, uh, of the victim is not a lack of love. It's the presence of love. You know what suspicion is? Suspicion is them saying, I'm still in the game. I still care. See, when someone's not suspicious, who's been hurt, they say, well, I don't really care where he is. I don't care what he does. What they're saying is, I've closed my spirit. I don't want to be hurt again. I don't care what you do. And so, increase accountability, okay? Obedience loves inspection. When my kids were small, until I was seven, eight years old, go clean your room, I never had to go find them if they cleaned their room. If they cleaned their room, I never had to go find them. If they cleaned their room, they came and found me. Dad, come on, come see my room. Now, I knew their room wasn't clean. I knew their room wasn't clean when I had to go find them. Hey, hey, did you clean your room? Oh, I'm getting there. Let me see your room. No, no, no. When they did a good job, they wanted inspection. See, when you do a good job, you want people to look, look, look at my phone, look at my computer, look at my schedule, look at my life, look at my words, look at my promises, look at my commitment. Look, look, you're going to see. Say increase accountability. And then lastly, so over-communicate, increase accountability. Number three, give it time. You want to re- rebuild trust? Trust is rebuilt. It is rebuilt. It's rebuildable over time. Okay? Words have to be verified. Sentences have to be established. But over time, over time, it can be rebuilt. You can be trusted again. Okay? It's not, I can can choose to take you back. I can choose to forgive you. But trust takes time. And let me just say this. Most people will give you one strike. When it comes to huge breaches of trust, most people will give you one strike. A lot of people will give you two. I've never met anyone that's given a three. When it comes to big breaches of trust, most people will give you one strike. Many will give you two. I've never seen anyone give it three. And so just make up your mind that you're going to be a trustworthy person. Lord, help us as we just uh, take these thoughts and, and make them a part of our lives. Thank you for being our trustworthy God. Thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to be people of the book and people whose word means something. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.